This morning we're beginning a new sermon series. You may have saw the announcement last week, a series that we're calling Church Matters. And uh, in this series, we're going to be discussing uh, many church matters. And then at the same time, I hope to convince some and remind others and remind all of us that church matters. I'm going to be real honest with you today. I believe this may be the most important series of messages that I've ever done at Red Hill Baptist Church. We're going to be discussing some foundational things, things that we must not get wrong because we're talking about the church. Now, to be quite honest, this is proving to be one of the easiest and hardest series of messages I've ever tackled. Easy and hard all at the same time. I don't have all these messages planned out. I'm seeking God week by week. And as God gives me direction for exactly what he wants us to cover, it's a very broad topic when you want to talk about the church. Now, it's easy for me because I've been in church all of my life. I went back and I dug out some things uh, out of one of my files. Very interesting. I found this. It's my... Vacation Bible School Certificate from August of 1978. And I was given this for faithful attendance and satisfactory work. I was two years old uh, when I got that. That's the oldest one I could find. I don't know if they gave me ones prior to that, but I've been in church. Some of you have as well, and then some maybe later in life. And some of you get nervous because, you know, I, I grew up a Methodist and you, you know, oh, you get nervous. Well, just to put your mind at ease, I also found this certificate. Uh, this is when I was um, six years old. And it says the Vacation Bible School of First Baptist Church of Gaston gives me faithful attendance. So uh, the Baptists were influencing me at a very early age. And so God finally got me. Uh, where I was supposed to be. So in one respect, this is easy. I, I've been in church my whole life. I, 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 I've seen church and, and it, it's easy. But on the other hand, it's hard. Why? Well, because most of us understand church based upon our experience, uh, based upon our tradition, based upon the church that we grew up in, or the church that we experienced Maybe early in life or maybe later in life. But but we understand church based upon the church that we were involved in. Perhaps you've uh, heard about the newlywed who was preparing uh, some supper for her her husband. And he sat there admiring her as she cooked supper. You know how it is in the early days, right? Just just to watch each other. Just, you know, just to watch each other blow their nose. I mean, it's just exciting. But but she's there and and uh, preparing a ham and she cuts off the end of the ham and she places the ham in the pan and she places in the oven. And he said, well, honey, why do you cut off the end of the ham? She said, well, that's where my mother always did it. But to be quite honest, I don't know. So she picks up the telephone. She calls mom and says, mom, you know, why is it that we cut off the end of the ham before we cook it? And, and her mother says, well, to be quite honest, I don't know. That's the way my mother always did it. And she said, well, I, you know, that's a good question. I'll call and find out. So her mother calls her mother and, and she says, you know, mom, why is it that we we cut off the end of the ham before we cook it? And, and grandma said, well, I cut off the end of the ham because my roasting pan was too small. And it all didn't fit in. 
Now, I don't know if that's a true story or not. Uh, in fact, Snopes.com even did a whole piece about it. That's a true story. But, but if it's true or not, it's a very apt description of how we do church. We do it a certain way because that's the way that mom and dad did it and grandma and grandpa did it and on back through our line. We do church based upon our experience and our tradition, just like we might cook a ham the way they did. Very few churches, it seems, uh, take the time to go to the guidebook, to the instruction manual, to the word of God and look at what God says about the church and see if what they're doing is what God wants them to be doing. You see, the Bible is the final authority for faith and practice. The, the Bible is, is the one. The Bible is the one. God's word says what we are to do and what we're not to do. And um, we forget Isaiah 55, 9. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, we measure the church, the church health and church success by using many times the three B's, the three B's. So, preacher, what are the three B's? Well, we 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 measure church health and church success by looking at the buildings, the budgets and the bodies, the buildings, the budgets and the bodies. And so we think a church is wonderful shape if they have wonderful buildings. Now, by the way, there's nothing wrong with either either one of those or, or any of those. We have to have the buildings and the budgets and the bodies. But but we look at a building, we say, oh, look at their building. That's awesome. You know, we were at the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville last week worshiping and uh, incredible buildings, incredible facilities takes up city blocks, I guess. I don't know how, how much. And so we look at churches, we say, oh, their, their buildings are grand and the builder, the, the bigger the building, the better. They must be a healthy church. And then we look at the budget. And budgets are important. And your deacons, we, we discuss budget matters this morning. We're to be good stewards. We're to be faithful in our giving. But the, the idea is if, if the budget's really big and it gets way up there, then that must be a healthy church. And then, of course, we look at the bodies. The, the people in the church. And in our way of thinking, if you have a big crowd, then you must be a healthy church. If you have a big crowd, God must be really pleased with what's going on. Now, beloved, may I say very kindly today, that is a worldly mindset. To look at the church the way we might look at a business or a ball team. And measure the church's health the way we might measure the, the, the health of some other organization. You see, if it's about buildings and budgets and bodies being big and great, then God is more pleased with the Carolina Panthers than he is with Red Hill Baptist Church. Right? They have a far greater building than we have. They have a way bigger budget than we have. And they got a whole lot more bodies than we have. We've got to be very careful how we measure things in spiritual matters. We can get all the we can have the biggest three B's around and yet still be out of step with God's word and God's will. And we've got to be very careful. Now, I want you to look at me at several passages today as we kind of lay the foundation as we begin looking at this series. 
And I want you to turn, first of all, to Revelation chapter 3. The very last book of your Bible. Revelation chapter 3. We're going to talk for just a moment about the church at Laodicea, a local church body. We're going to look at just a second at their success and and their health. Now, if you remember, the Lord is speaking to the churches here, the seven churches in the first part of Revelation. And in chapter three, beginning at verse 14, we find his words to the church at Laodicea. And I want you to see what the Lord Jesus says. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, verse 15. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot... The Lord says, what about them? I will vomit you out of my mouth. Don't close it up yet, but I want you to stop for a moment. The Lord Jesus says to this church, you're not hot. You're not cold. You're lukewarm. And I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, keep reading. Look at verse 17. Because... Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, have need of nothing. Boy, they must have had big budget, huh? Must have been very impressive. Might have been a church that other churches looked at and said, oh, we could be like them. Keep reading verse 17. And do not know that you are wretched. Miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, the glorious thing is Jesus is not done with this church. Look at verse 18. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. And then that classic famous verse that we often use in, in winning people to Christ and in counseling people to come to Christ. And I think you can apply it there, but notice it's written to a church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, think about this. That means the Lord Jesus is outside of his own church. He says, I'm standing outside and I'm knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. So think about it for a moment. It's important how we do church. It's important how we measure church health. It's important how we measure church success. And we have to measure it not with a worldly standard, but by a biblical standard, by what Jesus says. See, they said, hey, we have got it made. We're rich. We got everything going on. And Jesus says, listen, you are poor. You're blind. You're naked. You're in terrible shape. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. 
So here's what I want to do in this series. We're going to go back to the Bible and we're going to examine what the Bible has to say about the church. And then we're going to take Red Hill Baptist Church and we're going to hold it up to what the Bible says. And we're going to see where does Red Hill Baptist Church line up with God's word. And in doing this, I want to ask God to do a work in our church. I want to ask God to do three things in particular in Red Hill Baptist Church. Number one, I'm asking God to confirm and strengthen what we're doing right. You see, there's much that we're already doing that's right. It lines up with God's word. It lines up with God's will. We're doing things that God wants us to be doing. And I'm asking him, Father, as we look at the church and we look at your will and your word, would you confirm, would you strengthen the things that we're doing right? You see, seeing this, seeing what he wants us to do and seeing that we're doing it gives us a confidence. We know why we're doing it. We'll understand why is it that we take time to come and sit and listen to some guy talk to us from God's word. It also helped to strengthen us to keep doing what we're doing and to do it well for his honor and his glory. So that's the first thing I'm asking him. God, as we look at the church together, as we look to your word, would you confirm, would you strengthen what we're doing right? Now, the second thing, and here's where it gets a little scary. God. Would you correct anything? Would you correct anything that we're not doing quite right? Would you correct anything that we're we're not doing quite right? Now, we may be doing right things in a wrong way. What I mean is this. We can do good things with a wrong motive. We can do good things with a wrong method. And maybe our understanding of, of what we're doing is not quite right. And so I'm asking God, would you, as we study your word, if there's anything we're off base on, if there's anything that we're doing and we're doing it, but we're not doing it quite right. Would you correct that? Then the third one. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This is where it gets scary. This is where it gets downright dangerous. I'm asking God. Listen. To change anything that he wants to change. There's that word. We don't like that word. We don't like that word change. We don't like change, do we? We like comfortable. We like cozy. We like routine. Did you know God wants to change every one of us? If you're here today, God wants to change you. If you're here today without Jesus Christ, God wants to change your life. He wants to take your sin. He wants to wash you in the blood of his son. He wants to make you a child or daughter of the king. He wants to change you. He wants to save your soul for all eternity. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed. Behold, behold, all things will become new. If you're here today without Christ, he wants to change your life. And he will change your life if you'll turn to him in repentance and faith. And you say, well, I'm already saved. I already know Jesus. 
Well, you know what? God wants to change you. And he's working to change you. Because the Bible says that he's working to conform us, to make us like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he works in your life. And he hammers and chisels and molds and shapes and works in your life to make you more like Jesus. He wants to change you. You see, when I talk about God changing what he wants to change and changing the church, what I'm really saying is I'm asking God to change us. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I'm just going to be blunt today. God's been doing work in my heart, beloved. We don't want to change. I I know there are probably those thinking, I don't want to change. I don't want to change. I like my church just the way it is. I don't want anybody messing with my church. Now, Now, listen, don't answer out loud, please. Have you ever thought... Something like that along those lines. I, I, I don't want my church to change. I like my church just the way it is. Have you ever thought that? You ever felt that? Maybe you've even said that to somebody else. I, I, I don't want my church to change. Now, be honest with yourself, honest with God. You ever thought that, said that, felt that way? I don't want my church to change. If you have, you've identified a real problem. You've forgotten something really important. You say, what is it, preacher? Listen, it's not your church. It's not your church. You say, well, uh, you know what I'm talking about. When I say my church, I don't, I don't really mean my church. I mean, I'm just the church I'm a part of. I don't, I don't mean it that way. Malfurs, in one of his books, said this. It's most common to hear people refer to the place they worship as my church. While we think little about such expressions, people can get the idea that they own the church. They may have been there from day one. Now, I don't think anybody's been here from day one at Red Hill Baptist Church, have you? If you are, we'll give you the church. I mean, it's 150 some years. We'll just leave and you can just be here because I don't want to be here with you. But uh, nobody's been here from day one. But maybe your family's been here from day one. They may have also given a lot to the church. They may be in a position of leadership. And when someone, such as a new pastor, comes in, attempts to change something in their church, it's comparable to his coming into their homes, rearranging their furniture or repainting their walls. Based on their false sense of ownership, they feel violated. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, that hurts. That hurts me. That, that, that hurts. Ouch. Beloved, this is not my church. And it's not your church. And and the sooner we understand that, the better. You see, it's one thing to fight change that a person's trying to bring about. Maybe somebody in your Sunday school class wants to change something. And you fight that. Oh, I gotta change that. That's powerful. But listen, if we're not careful, we may end up fighting. A change that God, the Holy Spirit, wants to bring about. And we fight a change not because, you know, it's a righteous thing. We just are stubborn. We're just rebellious against God. Because God wants to change us, every one of us. And he is changing us. Now, let's go to our first main text this morning. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16. Some of you are already upset. And your, your, your breakfast is starting to churn. And you're mad, but let's look at what Jesus has to say 
in Matthew chapter 16. Now, this is not easy. I'm going to be honest. This is not easy. What we're talking about today is not easy. It's not easy to preach this. Because I like church the way I like church. I got a certain way I like to do things. I got a certain way I like to lead a service. But I want God, the Holy Spirit, to lead the service. Matthew 16, verse 18. Now, we could say a lot about this verse. It's loaded. But the Lord Jesus is speaking here. And he says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, the new King James says, the King James says, the gates of hell shall not prevail Against it. Now, we could talk a lot about we could take a whole message or a couple of messages and just open up that verse. But I want you to look at five words in that passage, that verse. These five words, I will build my church. Now, now let's let's narrow it down even more. I want to look at two words there. The two words are these. My church. Who's saying that? Jesus is saying that my church. My church. You see, Red Hill Baptist Church belongs to Jesus Christ. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. We have to understand that. We have to come to grips with that. We have to recognize that. We have to submit to that. We have to give him lordship of his church. This is your church, Lord Jesus. It's not my church. Now, let's go to a second passage. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, we often look at this passage in relationship to marriage. And I preached from Ephesians 5, this passage on relationship to marriage. But today I want to look at it from a different perspective, a different angle. And I want you to look and see what Ephesians 5 says about Jesus and his church. And I'll just give you a heads up in a moment. I'm going to call us to a time of... A season of prayer. So just be prepared. I'm going to call you to prayer today. And I'm asking God to work in our lives. But I want you to look at it from what it says that Jesus has done and does concerning his church. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. So don't, don't, don't get caught up on the wives and husbands today. I want you to look at what it says about Jesus. Ephesians 5, 22. Ephesians 5, 22 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is what? The head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. So who's the head? There's one head of the church, it's Jesus Christ. Now keep reading. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ. So he's the head. He's in charge. He's the master. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the head of the church. And it says in verse 24, the church is subject to Christ. Now, look, drop down to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved what? The church and gave himself for her. That's past tense. See, the Lord Jesus Christ, the reason this is his church, he bought it with his blood. He purchased it. It's his blood. Now, I want you to notice what it says in present tense, if you will, what he's doing right now. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. 
And so God works in our lives, His Holy Spirit, the Word of God begins to work, and God begins to work to, to change us and to wash us and to make us what He wants us to be. Why? Notice what He's going to do, future tense. Verse 27, that He might present her to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So don't close it up, but think about that. We, we can't get our arms around that, can we? A holy church without spot, without blemish, without anything. Why? Because here we are. We've got problems. We've got issues. We've got troubles as people, don't we? As members of the church, we've got some issues. But God's working in us. And he's going he's to present us glorified. Now notice verse 28. So husbands ought to love their own wives... As their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Now watch this. Just as the Lord does the church. Do you realize that the Lord nourishes and cherishes the church? He cares about the church. Look at verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and his bones. We're the body of Christ. We'll probably talk about that in a future message. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Now, beloved, I want it to become real evident to all of us just how much the church matters. Just how important the church is. Just how much Jesus Gave for the church and how he loves the church and how he's working in the church and how he's going to present the church as his bride. See, we're his bride. We're his body. And so as I begin to seek the Lord, the first thing that God has burdened me about is we need to give the church back to Jesus Christ. Give the church back to Jesus Christ. See, we need revival. We need the Lord Jesus ruling and reigning on the heart of every single member. And I want to call the church today for a time of repentance and prayer. I believe that God wants to do some wonderful things here, but we've got to give him lordship over our lives, lordship over our church. I was listening to a, a panel on revival, and I think it was Jim Cimbala was speaking about we often... Uh, pray, you know, God do a new thing in our church and God work in our church. But in the same breath, we say, what? But don't change anything. Don't you? Lord, do a wonderful work, but don't change anything. You see, if he's going to do a wonderful work, it begins as I. So remember the body come and say, Lord. I give you control of my life. And Lord, we give you your church. We give it back. And it's not my church. And it's not our church. It's your church. So here's what I want to do in our last few minutes today. Now I realize somebody may be here and you're not even a part of the church. You're, you're not a part of the body of Christ. You need to be saved. I'm praying God would save your soul today. The Holy Spirit would convict you and convince you of your need of Christ. And you call out. And you'd be converted today. But if you're a child of God, I'm calling you today. To get serious about the church. Not, not just, you know, this is something we do if there's nothing else better to do. But to realize this matters so much 
We matter to Jesus. And so I'm calling you today, in just a moment, I'm calling you to the altar. If you can't get to the altar, I'm calling you to get down in the aisle. If you can't get down, I'm calling you to kneel where you are, if you're able to kneel. If not, you pray right where you are. And I'm asking you today, would you get serious about the church? Would you get serious about what God wants to do? Would you come to Him today? And I'm going to ask Him, I'm going to lead you in just a moment. Beginning, first of all, repentance and confession personally. Because you see, when, you, when we get exposed to stuff like this, we get angry sometimes. And maybe you get mad at the preacher and you get mad at whoever. Listen, don't get mad at the messenger. I've shown you in God's word. Jesus says, I will build my church. It's mine. I bought it. I'm the head. I'm the master. I'm the Lord. And we need to submit to that. You say, preacher, what does this mean? Does this mean Red Hill's not going to be like it? I don't know what it means. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. I'm just asking God, would you change us? Would you make us what you want us to be? Would you confirm what we're doing right? And I know we're doing things right in many areas. Would you correct anything that we're not doing right? Would you show us if there's something we're doing, our motive isn't right, our method isn't right? Would you show us that? Would you, would you correct it? We, we submit. And then, Lord, would you change whatever you want to change? Would you change it? Are you willing to do that today? Are you willing to give Jesus his church? If you are, I want to invite you to come. Where you are, and kneel. Kneel where you are, kneel in the aisle. And I'm going to lead us in prayer and you're going to pray with me. If you don't want to, that's fine too. He said, this, this, I don't like this. We're supposed to sing now and go home. Friend, I think that's the problem. That's usually what we do, isn't it? We don't take time. We're not serious about the Lord and His work. So if God would lead you, I want to invite you to come. Would you come right now? Would you come? You don't want to come, that's fine. But if you want to come, would you come? I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer. You can kneel where you are. If you don't want to come, where you, kneel where you are. I invite you to come. You say, where are we going, preacher? I don't know. Wherever the Lord takes us. You need to be saved today. You can kneel where you are and cry out to God. While you're kneeling there, if you're not able to kneel, you pray where you are. God knows that. Would you take a moment? Would you just cry out to God and confess your repentance personally? And just ask him to cleanse your heart. Make you pure and clean. Be on praying ground today for what he wants to do in your life. Would you do that where you are right now? church as usual. We want you to do a new work in our midst. 
We want to humble ourselves and be obedient to your spirit and your lordship in our lives. And Father, we, we don't know exactly what all this means right now, but we know you're in control. And God, we humble ourselves and thank you for Christ. Thank you for the church. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of the church. Thank you for these many women, boys and girls. Lord, we pray you would do a grand work here, not for our glory, but for yours. As we humble ourselves before you. Cleanse us, purify us. As you're praying there, friend, would you join with me and pray those three prayers? Lord, would you confirm and strengthen what we're doing right? Would you correct anything we're, we're doing that's not quite right? And then would you be so bold today as to pray that third prayer? Lord, would you change anything you want to change? And here's the next part. Listen. Beginning with me. Would you change anything you want to change? Beginning with me. Would you pray that prayer? If so, would you pray it right now? to confess the pride and arrogance leads me to want things my way. Forgive me, O oh God. Lord, I give you back your church. Lord, these men and women bowing here, we give you back your church. Lord Jesus, you rule and reign here. We submit to your Lordship. We submit to the Holy Spirit today. We humble ourselves in your presence, O oh God, and cry out, would you use this church, this local body of believers, to bring much glory to yourself? Father, teach us. I, I don't know where you're taking us in this series of messages. But Lord, we trust that you'll guide our steps. Help us to be submissive as you show us from week to week, from day to day, exactly what you want done here. And may we line our lives up with your word and your will. Father, help us to realize that church matters. We've played games long enough. We've toyed around with things long enough. Lord, I pray that you would send a great revival among us that you'd work and move in an awesome way. And I thank you in advance for what you're going to do here. And I pray this in that lovely name, the head of the church, the Savior of the body, the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. And amen.
I want to thank you for your your submission to the Spirit's leading today. We want to sing a closing hymn. It's number 601, and I know it looks kind of odd to you, but you know the tune. The tune is crown him with many crowns. But the words are words, I think, that fit right along with what we're talking about. 601 is called, Teach Me, O Lord, I Pray, Your Precious Truth Divine. Lead me to understand your word and make its precepts mine. Impart your wisdom, Lord. Shed light upon my way that I may know your boundless love. Teach me, O Lord, I pray. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me throughout these weeks and never how long God leads. That I'll have wisdom to know exactly what he wants me to, to dig out and to bring to you. Because I, I, I just don't know what God is going to do. And God is doing a work in my life. And I pray it won't stop. And so as we, as we sing this morning, we're going to sing it out. Crown of many crowns is the melody. Teach me, O Lord, I pray. May that be our heart cry as we seek his will for our church. And I'm praying that the greatest days for Red Hill are not back there somewhere. I'm praying the greatest days are ahead of us. That God will be glorified, will be revived, and that Jesus will be real in this place. So would you stand and sing with me? Teach me, O Lord, I pray, 601.